Welcome to the program, everybody. You just stepped inside of Psychotic Bump School, the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and I want to welcome you to another exciting edition of Psychotic Bump School. So, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, oh, we're going to have an amazingly full show. We got a couple of panels coming up, but all of these guests have been here before. It's going to be about five people coming through the school tonight. So check out this lineup. We're going to have the amazing Aaron Wiley Sands, Lori Peacock, Jeffrey Keller, and Jason Sugars all on one panel, y'all. That's right. Jason, Jeff, Lori, and Aaron are going to be joining me to talk about the latest in politics, including the three consequential trials happening across the country right now, including Ahmaud Arbery, the Unite the Right trial, as well as the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, the one happening in Kenosha, Wisconsin. So lots to get to with that, as well as what's happening with the Biden uh, agenda. President Biden is by at this time, he should have by now signed the infrastructure bill. But we're going to be having a conversation about the state of the economy, his approval rating, and what Democrats can do to get right this this issue of messaging and the Democratic agenda. So that's Lori Jason, Jeff, and Aaron joining me for a political conversation about the week in politics. So that's coming up. And we're also going to have back our good brother, Mr. Hannibal Taboo. Y'all already know when Hannibal Taboo is in the house, that means something in the world of comics is happening and happening big. And this time it's Marvel's The Eternals. That's right. The movie is out. It is for the second week in a row, top the box office. And Hannibal Taboo is going to be breaking down his critique of the movie The Eternals, the latest shot out of the canon of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that's going to be our show. So you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. So this is KCWGTheTruth.com. My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bump School. Stay tuned for more. We're going to kick off our show with Lori, Jeff, Jason, and Aaron after this. I think we should just try to get away. Let's go somewhere, release the troubles of the day. It don't matter, you can do what you do. Put on your dancing shoes and try to catch a groove. Let's take the low road down to mama's house 
WG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, as you know, we've been on hiatus for the last couple of weeks, but there's been a whole lot of something going on across the news cycle. Y'all, have y'all been seeing what's going on? Uh, there's all types of political news happening right now. Uh, the infrastructure bill gets signed today, uh, as in Monday, and the Build Back Better bill is next, hopefully. Uh, Biden has been across the planet promoting uh, climate change. And uh, there's a whole lot of things happening here domestically as well as these court cases. So I want to talk about all of this. And to help me have this conversation, we have an amazing panel. Y'all won't believe who's here. They've all been here before. Oh, my God. We are so fortunate to have them all here. Let's start with the ladies first. First is my good sister. She calls herself a multi-hyphenate, ladies and gentlemen. She is a multi-talented actress, writer, director. What, What don't you do? Aaron, what don't you do? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good sister, Miss Aaron Wiley Sands. Miss Sands, are you there? Yes, I'm here and I'm excited to be back, ready for oh, this discussion. Robust, yes, indeed, welcome back. And of course, uh, one of my other co-conspirators, this good sister and I go way back. She's a former educator, she's a lifelong educator and she's my recruited political commentary, whether she wants to be or not, but she always does an amazing job. So ladies and gentlemen, also welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good sister, Miss Lori Peacock. Miss Peacock, are you there? I am here, Rome, happy to be here, thank you. Well, thank you for coming on back. And uh, this good brother, y'all know this good brother. This good brother is the host or one of the co-hosts of one of the longest standing uh, afternoon drive time radio programs in Southern California, the Pocho Hour of Power over on 90.7 FM, KPFK. He just recently celebrated a birthday too, I think. Right, right, right. I think I missed that, but he was up on stage doing his thing. He's a comedian, a political commentator, formerly with the Atlanta Falcons. This good brother does it all. Ladies and gentlemen, also welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. Mr. Keller, are you in the house? Yeah, man. Brother, welcome hey, on back. My, my birthday. Uh, Was it long ago? Uh, show is tomorrow night. It's tomorrow night. Into the night? And this is Robinson. Come on out. Oh snap! Ooh, yeah. I knew it was. I mean, I, I knew it was coming up, man. But okay, yeah, let let, let it be known, good brother. Well, uh, we right on time then, brother. Happy birthday! And ladies and gentlemen, last but not least, least but not last, the good brother. This guy's been here multiple times before now too. Y'all know this brother by now too. This good brother actually sits on the Venice Neighborhood Council, and I was proud to uh, text this brother over the weekend of a local resident who was trending on Twitter uh, over the weekend. This good brother is uh, a native son of Southern California, ladies and gentlemen, plus uh, just an all around cool brother. So ladies and gentlemen, also welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good brother, Mr. Jason Sugars. Mr. Sugars, are you in the house? 
I am I am connected, man. Just had my birthday last Wednesday. Happy birthday over there, man. Jeff. Oh, snap. Thank See, you, brother. Belated happy birthday to you, too. Oh, man. Like I said, I think y'all have traveled in similar circles anyway. So that is hecka ironic, like Fiona Apple. Was it Fiona Apple that sang ironic or was it? Alanis Morissette. Oh, thank you. Yeah, one, one of them. One of them. <laughs> Got to get okay. your white girl icons right. Well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> I'm going to say, say real quick. I'm going to say it real quick. Alanis Morissette is no Fiona Apple on the writing tip. Oh, Fiona's oh, deep. Do we, oh, come on now. Like, oh, we, we, going there. <laughs> we are going there. We are going there. a lot more, but Fiona's the writer between the two. Come on, y'all. Anyway. I'm oh, ready. my God. Well, we are <laughs> off to the races, y'all. Well, welcome, y'all. Well, hey. I I'm talking about crazy. Fiona on track. That's how messed up I was on there. From Frat? You said Shrek? Track. <laughs> oh, my God. We are down the rabbit hole already, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, um. See, that, that's where we are uh, these days, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all, what's happening in the news? Uh, the Democrats are in control, in control of all three chambers of Congress, right? The White House, the Senate, the, uh, the Congress. And yet and still, they are suffering dramatically. And you don't have to take my word for it. I'm just going to show you right now. Uh, I didn't share this with you earlier, but I'm just going to let you guys see this. This is what was headlining the news over the weekend. And I, I apologize, audience, because I know you can't see what our panelists can see. But there it is. Biden approval hits new low as economic discontent rises. Post ABC poll finds. Ladies and gentlemen, um, they say, and you could probably see my cursor. And Jason, I know you be careful while you're out there doing what you're doing. But it says right now, the post ABC poll finds that if, if elections were held today, 46% of adults overall would back the Republican candidate for Congress and 43% would support the Democratic candidate. Among registered voters, the GOP advantage goes to 51% versus 41% for Democrats. Now, to me, that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, who wants to speak to this first? Uh, where is this discontent possibly coming from? Let's go first to Aaron Wiley Sands. Aaron, I know you keep up with this stuff and I am eager to hear your point of view. What's going on with the Democrats in this poll? What are, what are your thoughts, Aaron? Um, people are mad and they're tired and hmm. the prices, you know, inflation is on the rise. I, uh, yes. I went and saw the other day I was grocery shopping and the price of chicken or steak is just ridiculous. It's a yes. pay on a new home. And I'm in California, one of the, or we're all in California. Most of us are in California, mm -hmm. most um, inflated states. Uh, the price of gas, people are mad about that. But here's the thing. I still put this, even though I believe that, you know, if you're in office, you're the president, then you take um, full responsibility. That said, things don't happen in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. uh, put this all into play when he ignored COVID. He ignored COVID and allowed it to get what it, you know, what it be, what it is now. And so now we're feeling the repercussions and the consequences of which are, you know, all of the, the backups when it comes to getting our packages in, which raises the price. And, and I, I think, as we said before, or when we talked privately, the Democrats have a messaging issue. They don't put that at Trump's feet, nor did people, people don't want to hear us blame Trump, but they- Why no? You know, Why is that? Why? Effect. Why? Mm -hmm. How come? Because when somebody is in charge, you, I don't want to hear it was the other guy's fault. You want to hear, well, what are you going to do about it? 
So it, at the end of the day, it still falls at Biden's feet. What are you going to do about what this man created? Now, he got a lot of people vaccinated, which I thought was great, but right. Trump um, poisoned the well. There's a lot of people who are afraid to get vaccinated. So we've never fully recovered from this pandemic. I mean, we're still in it in many, many ways. And Christmas is coming. So I, I just yeah. think that, um, like Lori said, it, there's a messaging issue with Democrats. We're not you know, we don't tell the full story. But again, nobody wants to hear what the other guy did. We want to hear what you're going to do about it. And to be honest, the fact that it took so long for this infrastructure to get passed, Black mm. voters put uh, Biden in office. I'm a little perturbed about when are we going to handle voting rights or at least um, the... I'm sorry, I can't think of the word. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, that... No, no, uh, that Eliminating the filibuster. I mean, all of it. That's why I, I don't know why I couldn't think of filibuster. I, I'm, I'm with you. Yes. <laughs> but Biden hasn't done anything except be well-meaning in terms of eliminating the filibuster. He ran on being able to talk to both audiences, both Democrats and Republicans, and being able to get, okay. you know, I, 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 Democrats go in there with good intentions. Obama went in there with good intentions, and, and everybody's going to be nice to him. And they just, I had this kind of pie in the sky view that, that people were just going to come together, but they didn't know that Republicans in many ways value whiteness before they value country. So they were never mm. going to compromise. So you have to learn to lead. And lead means not being buddies with everybody. It means doing what's best for this country and what's best for the people who got you elected. And sometimes it's going to hurt feelings and break eggs, but do it oh, anyway. Uh, ooh, Aaron, what is that? Sorry, ooh. I don't want to monopolize. No, no, no. You breaking <laughs> eggs. I ain't mad at you. Uh, Lori and Jason stand by. Jeffrey Keller, she's not wrong. I mean, because President Obama left office with a 67% approval rate. I'm sorry, I want to say this again. It was Jeffrey the last time we had the discussion who brought up the point, which was excellent, that Biden ran on being, because I was defending okay. Biden. He was like, no, that man ran on saying that he could talk to both parties and bring them together. And he well, was he right. did. So, um, yeah, I just want to say that. Show respect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Because Jeff, you, you do often remind us about that's what he campaigned on. And the point I was making was that Barack Obama had nearly a 70% approval rating and people still who voted twice for him ended up voting for the other guy. People have a very, very short memory. And Aaron's right. People don't want to hear about blaming the last person. Uh, like I said, Lori and Jason stand by. Jeffrey Keller, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think she covered most of it. I mean, People can only go on with their daily lives, how their lives are affected. Mm -hmm. When they go to the store and prices are higher, restaurant prices are higher, uh, shipping stuff is higher, gasoline prices are through the roof. People don't care about infrastructure, do all that other stuff. They want to know how you how you going to improve their cost of living where they can buy a meal for their family. And they mm -hmm. don't have to figure out, well, can we can't drive here because we can't afford gasoline. We got to save it to get to work. But how do you square the circle? Lori, I'm coming to you next. How do you square the circle, Jeff, with they say this infrastructure bill is popular? And Aaron, you would agree that they, they say it's popular, but yet and still, um, even though he's about to sign the bill, they still don't feel good about where things are right now. And jobs report just came out. I shared it with y'all. The jobs report came out not too long ago, just last week. And, you know, the he's added more jobs in the first 10 months of a presidency compared to any other president in history. So but what the is the But the caveat with that is that people, even though you're adding jobs, people are still working part-time hours and they're not getting paid enough. We have so they're not fully employed. 
Yeah, we have, I think the min, the federal minimum wage is like $7. So mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. You would, you would be homeless here in California, oh, $7 right. an hour. And so you haven't lifted the minimum wage, which needs to be done. That to me should have been one of oh. the first things. And, and you added these new jobs, but people still need two jobs to make a living. Not right. And the other part of that is, don't forget, we're we're not a United States. We're a fractured, we're a fractured state. Oh well, right. And, and federal government can only do so much. You got to look at your state and local governments also. Is mm. that they implement? Okay. Like we raised our. We voted to raise our own gas prices for monies that were already taxed on the gas prices. Mm. And, that's the, and that's to help the roads and. And rebuild, you know, bridges that in California, but we already had that tax on on the gas, and now they taxed it again. Tax it again. Yes, for the same thing, and people didn't even know that. So that's wow. the people's fault for not doing their research. Well, here we go. Here we go. See, that's why we needed Aaron Wiley Sands to release that voter guide like she did. <laughs> that's why we keep having her here to keep us educated on stuff like that, Jeff. Okay, Jason and Lori, I'm bringing you in now. Uh, what they said is true, uh, Jason and Lori, because I even I go to the store, I go to my little health food store, Lori and Jason, I go to Whole Foods Market, you know what I'm saying? And I get my little tofu frozen nuggets. It used to cost $6.99 a bag. That sucker's $9.38 now. Inflation has gone through the roof. Uh, Jason and Lori, how are you experiencing it uh, down there in Southern Cali where you are? Lori, uh, let's go to you first and then Jason Sugars. Oh, absolutely. Prices of everything has gone up. And it's been really difficult for me as a single mom with two teenage boys that eat me out of house and home, Mm. you know, going to the grocery store and trying to make it, make my dollar go as far as I possibly can. The things I used to buy all the time, I used to buy, we used to have steak all the time. I don't, can't tell you the last time I bought steak for my kids because it is so Mm. expensive now. And I just, you know, I'll, I'll get some chicken. I'll get some, some, some turkey meat. I'll get some other stuff, but I'm not, I'm not getting the steaks anymore because I, it's just too pricey and uh, it's, it's oh. rough, you know, it's rough. Luckily I work from home and I haven't been doing too much driving, but the gas prices are, are insane too. And getting anywhere costs a lot and mm. it's hard, but I, I, I don't blame Biden for these issues. And again, I, I you know, this is a trickle down effect. This is a domino effect. This is something that started when Trump was president. He has become a major issue because of his inability to handle the COVID crisis in a, in a mature and respectful way, smart way. Um, we're, we're having these issues. And, you know, Biden's, I feel like he's doing the best he can with the circumstances, but people are so damn fickle, right? Like so quick they to sure like are. change with the wind. Like I don't have this one thing yes. that I like right now. So I'm just going to flip and go the other direction. It's like, no, no, no. you got to stand behind your people. They're not perfect. They're going to make mistakes, but they're trying. And I think, you know, this infrastructure bill, it's not going to have the impact that people that we would like it to have until we see the changes in our roads and in our, in our bridges and in our buildings and all of those things until we actually see those things happen. I don't mm-hmm. think it's, it's going to, you know, have a splash that, that we want it to have Yes. as far as a party. Well, hopefully by the time the midterms come, Jason Sugars, Lori is right because the thing with this is kind of like with the Affordable Care Act. It's like they wanted to front load all the goodies first, like keeping your kids on your insurance until they're 26. But the later things, the later benefits were going to kick in down the road, which was why initially the uh, Obamacare was so unpopular initially. But Jason, uh, the infrastructure bill that's going to be signed, and I said today as if you know I'm projecting into the future, he's signing it. He wants to sign it with Republicans and Democrats present who worked on it. But 
Uh, Jason Shakers, what are your thoughts? Uh, is, is this Biden's fault? And how hard is it for you to shop for uh, a family steak for your family these days? Um, we've eliminated steak, so we're down to chicken and, uh, and the occasional salmon and a lot of turkey meat. But Look at that. Look at that. But that, has, that has more to do with me getting old and them trying to help me from overfatting myself with bacon. <laughs> um, the, I, I, will say, I will say this, and it's kind of, it's, an, it's aside from what you're saying, is that it seems to me that and as a non-Democrat who votes Democrat almost entirely every single time. Amen. Uh, it, it, it seems to me that something that was mentioned earlier by one of the sisters who spoke is really kind of relevant. A lot of this change has to do with American culture more than it has to do with dollars, more than it has to do with any specific issues in that this anti-others and xenophobia and anti-Blackness and what people see and perceive as being what America is and should be is far more important to a lot of voters on both sides of the red blue aisle than, than we may want to imagine. Yeah. Because it's so deep in, in culture. So while people don't wanna hear Trump uh, blamed for things that he's clearly to blame for, and it's falling at Biden's feet, that wasn't the case when we had uh, Mighty Whitey the president, when we had hmm. uh, Trump the all-American president, anything he did do wrong was like, yeah, but he's doing the best he can, or yeah, but he's fighting. He, of course he did that wrong because you guys don't wanna, you know, it's always going to be a fight to get to their point. It's never going to be a fight for any real issues or any real belief system. So all these people wow. flipping over aren't necessarily flipping because of the cost of living. Of course, that's killing all of us. They, they can't blame it all on Biden or Trump. A president doesn't really make the economy. They're there to try to help handle it. That's right. Um, that's right. But Biden, Biden and the Democratic Party have come off, in my, in my estimation, really just as toothless in the fact that they can't even control those members of their own party that are clearly not actually Democrats. Come on. Um, you know, from various states across the country who have run as Democrats in Virginia, wherever they can, or wherever they are, Seneca and Munchin or whatever their names are. <laughs> clearly these people, these people are, I don't want to use the word conservative. It's thrown around too much to mean something. Mm -hmm. They're not conservatives. They're right-leaning uh, nationalists. They're right-leaning well. with what's been going on. On both sides of the aisle, everyone are completely corporate. You know, we, we have a money Uber Alice uh, culture in America. Whoever's making the most money controls our politics, controls our government. And right now they're controlling, you know, those things that are becoming our prices now. They're still making billions while we're crying about how much about our food going up 20 and 30 percent in some of the larger states. And it's not by accident that that's happening in California, although we have most of the ports and get most of the goods in. Yeah, and a lot of the food that we're paying more for it's because we are they will find ways to punish us. And she's right. Local government is, you know, right down to state and into city governments or state government. You know, we are the one of the only two. I think one of the only two counties in California that still have mandates that are strong related to the COVID, to the COVID virus. Well, that's exactly. Yep. That's exactly where I was about to go next, Jason. Thank you for bringing that up. So I'm going to swing back in reverse now. Uh, Aaron, you could jump in if you want to, but uh, the mandates were one reason why um, the we just had an election a couple weeks ago in Virginia and New Jersey, and people were thinking, oh, it was a bad night for Democrats. We're heading in the wrong direction. We're going to be trounced in 2022 at the midterms. It's going to be a red wave. And yeah, they did lose the governor's seat. Uh, Glenn Youngkin did win. And one of the reasons they say he won Jason Sugars, according to exit polls, was one was because of the vaccine mandate. 
And two, here's the thing for the parents that are on the panel. He, they were talking about they were taking away the choice of parents to make a decision about their ch children's education with regard to critical race theory and what's being taught in schools, which is another whole round of discussions that, you know, I didn't even, you know, preempt with you all. But it, it's that total commitment to misinformation around issues such as that critical race theory that riles up the Republican base and gets them out there to vote. And the Democrats don't seem to have a response to it, which takes me back to this whole messaging issue. Uh, anybody want to jump in and take that one? I want to jump in really fast. Yeah, um, go ahead. I'll let the parents speak to it more. Um, okay. A couple of things. I, I, I want to piggyback a little bit on what Lori said. Um, we do, um, we are flighty. Democrats are. I, I'm not, I'm not, but um, the Democrat Party as a whole is what I appreciate about the Republican Party is that they stick together and yep. almost in a way that's insidious. They don't care mm. that it compromises the values of this country. And I say that loosely, but they mm. stick together. And as soon as Democrats, we tear each other down. What, you know, you find uh, Congress people tearing Biden down over Afghanistan and other things. And it's, it's one thing to critique. It's another to tear down and, you know, provide mm. room for the other side to use that as leverage against us. Um, that said, I think that um, the candidate, what's the Republican candidate who just won in Virginia? I, Lynn Youngkin. Yeah, I think he ran a better race. Um, oh, okay. I, I think he made uh, it about, because when you look, we have to stop making local elections national. And the Democratic mm -hmm. candidate made it national by bringing in national people. If if you, you he brought in, I think Biden, Obama was there, was Kamala, there. everybody was there. But if you're running a local election, the people you need are your constituents. And the Republican candidate, I saw it because I watched it, even though I don't remember the name, went door to door and started talking mm -hmm. to people about their issues. And they're, they were all kitchen table issues. They were all about you know how much money they were making, what they needed. The other thing the Democratic candidate did was he misspoke in that um, the thing about education. Now, I understand what he was saying. Yeah. I also agree how many parents actually dictate, you know, what a child is learning, but you can't tell parents that they don't have a voice in this. That, uh -oh. That's wrong. It just comes across wrong. So I think yeah. he ran a national race when he should have been running a local one, and then he misspoke. Whoa. As an educator, Lori Peacock, what are your thoughts on what Erin just said? Yeah, she's spot on. And, uh, you know, this... Figuring out what's going to be taught in schools, making those decisions, parents should have some voice, some some ability to be heard. However, they should not be the ones making the decisions as to what kids are learning in schools, um, because just some parents are just downright dumb, and they really shouldn't be making those decisions. Especially as far as what's going to be taught in the classroom, you can teach your kid whatever you want to teach your kid at home, right? But there's certain things that need to be taught in 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 certain orders and certain sequence and in certain ways that educators and people with that knowledge would know about. Just like, I'm not going to go into my doctor's office and tell him how he's going to diagnose meet my kid or what he's going to prescribe to my kid or tell me what's going on. With, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not the expert when it comes to medicine. So I'm going to trust my doctor with what he's going to say. And I feel like parents need to do the same when it comes to educators, as far as knowing, trusting what we're doing and what that it's going to be best for their kids. And when it comes to certain things like sensitive issues, sex education. Parents are usually notified that this is going to happen. Um, they can opt out if they want to opt out of it. Uh, you know, they can, they, it's something that's, it's, oh, they're aware of. Um, but it's not right. something that they're going to be able to go in and say, no, this can't be taught to my kid. Well, they can say that, but then yeah. it shouldn't, it shouldn't 
that that opinion shouldn't be what schools and districts choose. Yeah, and Jason, she has a unique position, Lori does, because as an educator and a parent, I mean, I, I can understand both sides, but Jason and Jeff, the problem that I have with it is like, where is critical race theory being taught in schools? But, Nowhere. But, you no, know, that's, that's not really the issue. Though. Okay, break it down. The real issue is Republicans are great at two things. Okay. They're great at making it about race and they're great at making it about taking away your rights. Okay. And when you talk about critical race theory, what do they say? Well, you know, they're trying to make your kids feel guilty for being white, mm -hmm. learn black. So they make it about race to, yeah, get, their, to get their base fired up. And then, oh, they're mandating. Oh, now they're taking away your rights. Okay, so right. how do you counter it? How do you counter it? You're right, but how, what do you, if you're the Democratic running against that kind of messaging, how do you counter it? Well, you have to explain in a simple way, what critical race theory really is, right? You just got to talk about, well, it, it, it's about history in American history, and it's about Black folks' American history. But what if the truth history. doesn't matter? What if the truth, what if they don't care about the truth? And well, you're not going, you're not going, look, let's be real. You're not going to get Trump supporters. You're not going to get racist, racist people. I mean, the re one of the reasons Trump won was because we start doing the whole transgender thing in the south where okay they can use a woman's bathroom and all that and billy bob and them say oh hell no and so when you become they point out when you get too liberal for them they'll, they'll point it out republicans are great at that again okay. it comes down to taking away your rights again it comes back down to race and, and trying to tell you how to think how to raise your kid and then, okay. no matter what you say that's what they're, they're, they're going to be like Nope. This is for my favorite band, the human beings, the faithful, the graceful, the tragic, the classic, the evidence of things unseen, the book of light, the mansions of the moon, the bones of fear to own, recently discovered in everything but no, the doubt is doubts about it, never made it untrue, life, the gift, peace out, the pressure, can't remember how you came and when I'm better, how you exit from the start, the only thing certain is the end. Promise to all and unknown, not when heartbreak from yesterday and fret for tomorrow. I leave you now filled with anxiety and hollow. If you pray, don't worry. If you worry, don't pray. My homie told it to me just the other day. From the tall castle walls to the mean teeth streets, I hope you get what you want and that you want what you need. I mean, life is beautiful, even when the world is whack. So much beauty, we forget to be reminded that you could be everywhere and find it. Try it. Try it, promise I'm not lying, try it. And if you don't see in your environment, then take a look inside it, try it. Try it, you could be anywhere and find it, promise I'm not lying. Riders of the storm, wise enough to warn the people about the evil that be going on. Way before the money gone, money is the root of, huh? You know the rest, really the love of it. Got you invested in your death, I stay torn, cause I'm live in the flesh. They make computer music, they try to make a copy of me, the computer blew it. They raised in the age of the enlightenment, but little did they know that they were slaves to their environment. The doggone tribes of the stars without telescopes. When you have no God, you start selling folks. I tried telling folks the attitude was bellicose. There's so much more life to rap about than selling coke. You can tell that it's dope because my squad official. They irrelevant because they intelligence is artificial. The scar tissue on my face tell the folklore. We launch missiles in the space to fight the Cold War. Starlight, star bright, get the arc right. 
Put my story on the screen at the arc light. Stay clear of the beast and the troglodytes. Trying to start a fight like Della Reese and all the nights. We got the flow to culture vultures try to copyright. But they copy wrong. We are not alike. Life is beautiful. Even when the world is wide. Yes. So much beauty we forget to be reminded. That you could be everywhere and find it. Try it. Try it. Promise I'm not lying. Try it. And if you don't see in your environment, then take a look inside it. Try it. Try it. You could be anywhere and find it. Promise I'm not lying. Try it. Yes, the world is white, but life is beautiful. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bum School. I'm DJ Rome. That was the incomparable Aaron Wiley Sands. We're also joined by the amazing Jason Sugars. We have the incomparable Lori Peacock and the inimitable good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. Uh, Jeff, she just brought up Dave Chappelle and cancel culture. Aaron, you, you, you're, just, you're just lashing out during this conversation right now because I was thinking about Bill Maher as she was talking, Jeffrey Kelly, even though she was talking about Chappelle. And Maher talks about how Democrats go too far sometimes on these, these wedge issues sometimes. And I have tuned him out because he sounds more and more like a Republican every day or the libertarian that he is. But she did mention comedy, Jeffrey Keller. What are your thoughts on what uh, Aaron Wiley Sands just said? Well, I like Aaron Wiley Sands. <laughs> but let me say, I'm old school. My pronoun is Jeff Keller. How about that? Come on. That's a noun. No, that's not a pronoun. That's a noun. Mr. Keller is a pronoun. So there you go. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, and, and then the LGBTQ and, uh, and minus H for human. So there you oh, go. All right. All right. Um, Come on. So the, the problem is now. Everybody wants to be labeled in a group that's fighting for rights. We're back to individuals. We're not back to being um, Americans, mm. being human beings. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like we just fought for human rights that we'd be fighting for everybody's rights. We don't have to label ourselves. People forget labeling started to, to say who could get white rights. Okay. Well, that, let me. That's, that's how it all started. So with Dave Chappelle, you know, I say in my act, cancel me, make me famous. Exactly. Because I'm not scared of y'all. Come for me. Right. Okay. Um, but let, yeah, go ahead. Go finish your thought. Finish your thought. So I, I, I'm just saying I, I, that's that's the problem. But when she talked about why Trump run is what I said earlier, why he he made it about race. He made it about immigrants. He made it about blacks being he, violent and not and not getting prison time. That's what they I'm talking always, about. They always make it about race. Somehow they bring it to race. And when you say the Democrats, well, they, they, have to, they have to comment on it because the Republicans will just bring some stuff up and run with it like it's true as a critical race theory. So yes. even if they don't comment on it, they're going to run with it. And then even if they do comment on it, they're going to run with it. Even if you say it's not being taught anywhere, they'll be like, how do you know? How do you know? 
<laughs> but they do it unapologetically is the point that I'm concerned about because we act like we have to apologize for that. I don't know if y'all saw what Condoleezza Rice said maybe a week or two ago on The View where she was saying that this whole January 6th panel is unnecessary. The country doesn't want to keep looking back. It wants to look forward. And the fact that they're prosecuting all these people that stormed the Capitol, she's like, the country wants to move on. It's too much is too much. No, I don't, I don't agree with that because no. we, we have to prosecute the case if we if if the people who claim to be Democrats are for law and order, okay, we have to hold people accountable. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Lori, Aaron, Jason, whoever who wants to chime in on that? Oh, she's abs- wrong. <laughs> she, she, she is she is wrong, and 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 there needs to be consequences for things that people do, and we need to know what those consequences are, so that people will stop doing these stupid things. Mm-hmm. When the thing about, the thing that's really tripping me out is all of these temper tantrums that are happening in the sky and airplanes, people having these, you know, fits and, and, and hitting people and, and violence and craziness and all this stuff. And I want to have the book thrown at these people. I think they need to pay a ton of fines and they should do they should be, pers- you know, prosecuted and criminalized for these behaviors. And I want to hear about that so that I know that other people are hearing about it and they're going to stop doing some of this stuff. So this is with this January 6th insurrection. Absolutely. We can't just move. Okay. It's like, Oh, it was a bad time and we need to look forward. No, no, no. These people need to be prosecuted. These people need to need to um, be punished for what they've done and people need to know about it. So it doesn't happen again. But Biden is president right now. They say Lori and the economy, they say it's the economy stupid. And I guess they assume that, Presidents can't walk and chew gum at the same time, but they say that the country needs to move on from that right now because the economy is so-called in shambles right now. So how can we, uh, how do you counter that messaging when in fact people really do feel displaced? I mean, Aaron, you know, educated me. It's like, okay, well, the, the jobs report did come out, but a lot of those are part-time jobs. So maybe the economy is in more t- trouble than I think. And so if he's not focused on that and he's, and it's not him, it's the Department of Justice that's focused on holding the, the insurrectionists accountable. Uh, how do you square that circle? Lori, Jason? Well, well Jeff, I mean, you can do more than one thing at a time, right? You can do many, many things at a time, especially with something as large as our government. So that's just one thing that's being handled. That doesn't mean other things aren't being handled as well. Like you said, walking into chewing gum at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they can definitely, we can have that going on and have other things going on and moving forward as well. Yeah. Um, I, I disagree with, with Ms. Rice. But that's not the first time. And she's a she's a Californian, too. But see, Jason Sugars, I have tuned out Bill Maher. I used to watch him faithfully every week, but he's gone too far down this road of um, cancel culture. And he thinks that every everything that I don't want to say everything, but, you know, everything that Jeff said is like they bring those things up unapologetically and they beat that messaging into the ground enough until their supporters believe it. And Charlemagne the God once said that the why tell the truth when the lie is more entertaining. Jason Sugars, what are your thoughts? Charlemagne and Facebook seem to understand why tell the truth when the lie or the negative is, you know, more. I, I think about Condoleezza, I didn't really, I read the headline of what she said and skipped over it. She's one of the, the few um, black conservatives that I would occasionally pull up when someone said, oh, well, true. will there ever be a black conservative? Am I gone? No, you get you good. When, when the, some of my right leaning to far right ish friends that I grew up with in L.A., whatever. When will there ever be a, a black conservative that you don't consider a, a coon or a sambo or whatever you're calling them? And I said, the truth is, there's 
a lot of them. I was like, Malcolm X was conservative. If that's if, if you're yes. using what conservative actually means. Absolutely. He was a married man with children, a religious man that followed. Yeah, I mean, what do you what do you mean by conservative? If you mean all of these anti-black hotep and fetchets that you trot out mm-hmm. to parrot your your white supremacist ideas, and Condoleezza Rice went from being one of the semi-respected conservatives, or I'm like, whatever, she has different beliefs to me, to just being the same as Candy Kuhnkall. I mean, I'm sorry, Candace Cohen. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Like with with those sorts of statements, you turn into that person that they can trot out to parrot and to mimic and to put some blackface on their super white supremacist ideas. There's no way that this woman who got on the internet or social media and said, "There's no way I'm going to jail with this white skin and blue eyes. I'm not going to look at that." You only get a year. Oops. And where is she in jail? You're absolutely right. So, yeah, it's so lightweight that that these things have to be dealt with. These tantrums that we see. You know, it's unfortunate. We don't see anything past the tantrum and them getting let off the plane. We don't see walked over to another airlines to get onto the same flight two hours later, as drunk as they were, maybe a little more sober and nothing ever actually happens. And they continue with those behaviors where let my black ass try something like that. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we also just lost Colin Powell since we're talking about conservative black conservatives. Yeah. We lost Colin Powell recently and people have said that no. He, he can't come to the barbecue either because he's the reason why we went to Iraq in the first place. Now, forgetting the whole 2008 when he endorsed Barack Obama, not once, but twice again, the second time in 2012 when he ran again. Now, take that for what it's worth. I'm not saying that that exonerates all of his political leanings and the decisions that he made, but people feel like once a creep, always a creep. And people... Can people evolve over time, even through their political ideologies, is the question. And I don't know if I have an answer for that. Yeah, go ahead. But they want to cancel Colin Powell, but not but not Bush. Everyone's acting like Bush and Reagan were the superheroes of the Republican <laughs> Party and they're the right that was right. No, they're they're able to do that to Colin Powell because he's black. He's, not a, he's not a black nationalist or black militant minded person like a, a lot of us might like to see some semblance of. But he was no race traitor or anything. He was a general in the American army. Their job is to invade things. He was told things that were not true along with the whole rest of the country. And he took his orders as generals do. And he marched with them. He's written an entire book on how he really felt about it and how he felt about his place in it that no one will pay attention to because it's easy to cancel the black guy. Ah. So, I mean, yeah, he's still Blame the black guy. <laughs> he's still as a semi-respected black conservative to me. I, I, I like Colin Powell. I Powell. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for Colin Powell. And and just feel like Mar, I never did watch, you know, so I can't get into it. I, have, I haven't seen him in ye- years and years. I haven't seen his show. And every mm-hmm. time I do it, some kind of slightly coded right-leaning stuff that he's saying and trying to put it like, here I am as a liberal, and I, I'm here to tell you, you know, I'm the biggest, I'm the biggest ally to the alphabet community in the world, I think as far as all of the people that I grew up with and around. And yet I believe like, my man, why am I calling you something different? Why can't I just call you by your name? Why do we have these long lists on my emails? You know, (laughs) and and this from a guy who's been kicked out of black filmmaker groups for countering against their anti-gay agenda by, I told you what I did before, Ro. This guy wrote the tirade against the gay agenda in black media and this guy on power empire is doing this and that. And I just took all of the expletives mm. and bad words for homo, homosexuals or for gays. And I traded it in with a black word. So if he said the the gay F word, 
Then I put in Kuhn. If he, you know, I just exactly his words to show him that that's what they sound like talking about us. Mm. You can't say that it's a battle between fighting for the black community or fighting for the gay community as if the black and gay community do not have any um, overlap. Oh, wow. It's human rights, as Jeffrey said. And if we're, if we're going to do it, we got to do it. You can't be like, yeah, we got to fight for everybody, but them Mexicans or these gays, you know, and that's got to be done without drawing the fire of going so hard on any one issue because it's a touchstone, a touch button issue. Because people are so anti-transgender, all of a sudden this became a a, the push button thing for politics. It's not a political matter. Mm. Human beings, leave them. You don't have to love what they're doing. Love it and leave them alone. All I'm asking for everyone to do is treat everyone equally and leave the rest of everyone else alone. You don't like blacks? Good. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, to your point, uh, that was one of the things I want to bring up. Uh, did y'all happen to see the uh, the Ahmad Arbery trial? Like I said, at the top of the show, y'all, there's about three major trials going on all at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, we got the Unite the Right trial going on, which is what we're talking about in terms of, uh, well, no, that that's to Unite the Right was the Charlottesville thing. And then we have uh, the Amar Arbery case. And I'm about to show you something on that in a second. Then I want to talk about this third one. And it's like, oh my God, I already shared that with you. But did y'all see what this uh, attorney said in Amar Arbery to uh, Mr. Sugar's point? Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Um, my internet is not acting right right now. I hope y'all can I'm still- about the preacher, black preacher comment? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. He, he was talking about with Al Sharpton showing up and I guess Jesse Jackson may have shown up the previous day. He says something about we don't want any more black pastors in here influencing the jury. Now, this is coming from a a proponent of the law, the legal system. And he's in there talking about this again, unapologetically, as if this is how it always is and always shall be. But the thing is, though, I want you to see this clip, though. And ladies and gentlemen in the audience, I'm going to bring this up in a second, but as I'm pulling it up, Jeffrey Keller, what are your thoughts on what he said in that whole comment? And uh, I don't know how much you've had a chance to follow a little bit of the Ahmad Arbery trial, but Jeffrey Keller, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I saw that whole thing. And then he tried to apologize as they always do, you know, afterwards. Um, but his comment was true to his heart. Basically, he just, what he really was saying was, I don't need no more famous black people coming in here and trying to act like, you know, I mean, the, 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 I'm sure the jury is like 11, 11 white and one black guy. So who's he? Who they gonna? Who's mind they gonna change? Right, <laughs> right. Well, check this out. Um, I'm gonna show y'all this, and um, again, audience who's in the listening world, bear with me. I know you can't see what we're looking at here, but stand by and listen to this. This was just in the court uh, the past week, and let me get past the ad first. But uh, the thing about it is. Some people are still upset about it, not because he said it and ultimately apologized, but maybe the rebuke from the judge wasn't quite strong enough. But here's the clip. So, ladies and gentlemen, stand by in the audience panel. Check this out. Here we go. And if their pastor's Al Sharpton right now, that's fine. But then that's it. We don't want any more black pastors coming in here. Or other Jesse Jackson, whoever was in was in here earlier this week, sitting with the victim's family, trying to influence a jury in this case. All right, but that's not even the the funny part, though. Did y'all see the the lady in the red next to him? Did y'all see her face? 
both yeah. of them, the lady to his to his left elbow too, were like, wait, she put her hands up like, my man, my man, my man. She's like, bruh, are you serious? So yeah, and the judge did say, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, prevent anybody from coming in here per se. But some people felt like, okay, he was too casual about it. It's like, you're a judge. I mean, counter that with, did you see how the judge was going after the guys in the, uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's been relentless and he's clearly been, I mean, first of all, the prosecuting uh, prosecution team in the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, case, I haven't really seen a lot of attorneys or lawyers that really think that they're doing a really competent job because as horrible as that judge has been, a lot of them feel he was correct in admonishing the prosecutor for trying to sneak something in when he shouldn't have. But I'm trying to establish something here. Look at what happened at the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And again, audience, indulge me for a second because I know you cannot see this, but panelists, stand by. Uh, this bundle of joy is a uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. Stand by, y'all. Hey, once I take that step back, I look over my shoulder and Mr. Rosenbaum, Mr. Rosenbaum was now running from my right side. Um, and I was cornered from in front of me with Mr. Zeminski. And there were... Here we go, here we go. There were people right there. One more, there you go. What up? Come on, man. That's right, bro. <laughs> Thanks for our break. Anyway, you, you can uh, just relax for a minute, sir. Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh all right. As a person who works in child care, first of all, this is not a child. He's 18, so he's not a child. That's one thing. But I don't like to see anybody in distress. However, however, there's a strange common thread happening in a couple of these court cases where the, the sense of persecution and victimization is so strong. And this sense that they were completely justified in what they did. And they were defending themselves. It was self-defense. It's sickening. And I'm gonna show you one more. I know I'm kind of filibustering a little bit, but I'm trying to get to all of these. I did not share this one with y'all, ladies and gentlemen, but let me see if I can find this one uh, this was from the Unite the Right, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this up, but it's kind of the same thing. Christopher Cantwell is representing himself, and he's representing himself because he is incorrigible, and there was no attorney that wanted to represent him in this trial, so he is actually defending himself. But this is Christopher Cantwell, not long after the Charlottesville rage all weekend. Not long after the Charlottesville riot, um, being nervous about possibly being picked up and arrested. Vice, Stand by where for he this. explained some of his views. Michael Brown and, and Tamir Rice and all these different things happen every single case. It's some little black 
behaving like a savage. In the video, he claims his group did not agitate the masses, and he was pepper sprayed twice. You got mace? Yeah. By him? By Connie. We're not nonviolent. We'll kill these people if we have to. But now, Cantwell posted a video online appearing emotional over possibly being in trouble with the law. I have been told that there's a warrant out for my arrest. Um, and they, uh, they said that they wouldn't confirm it, but that I could find this out if I, <clears throat> excuse me, that I could find this out if I wanted to go to a local magistrate or something like that. He says, okay, so he's on trial right now in the Unite the Right trial. So three different trials, Kyle Rittenhouse, the Unite the Right trial, Amar Arbery, all of these things are traversing through the news right now. Uh, I just gave you all a lot because I know we're running out of time. Uh, does anybody want to comment on all of these? Uh, any one of these? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, they're all different to me. Um, so I'll, I'll go quickly. The Chris Cantwell, mm -hmm. um, I, I think he's full of crap. And that, um, yeah, that's all I got to say about him. <laughs> and um, I hope that he is perse persecuted to the fullest extent of the law, uh, prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Um, the lawyer in the Ahmad Aubrey, I thought was completely racist. And I, the fact that, I don't know, I almost feel like there should be a mistrial just by what he said. Why did the pastors, why are the pastors black? Why can't they be pastors? The fact that he's already identified them and decided that their race prohibits them okay. from any, from being in that space. Aaron. Influence that space. Aaron, absolutely. So yeah, it is. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, it is. So Aaron, real quick, because uh, I, I won't have time to show this clip. He apologized the following day and he said if, if, if he but but check this out, though, Aaron, he said, if I inadvertently offended someone, no, I apologize. Inadvertently, true. inadvertently means it was an accident. If I send an, um, a mail with the wrong address on it, that's an inadvertent he's mistake. He's apologizing that we heard him. <laughs> that we yeah. can think. And finally, for um, the Kyle uh, case, I'm, yes, mm -hmm. I'm going to be probably the lone wolf in this, and I'm okay with that. Okay, go ahead. I that um, I I believed him. I I I don't think that he did what what he did was right or anything. But murder is traumatic. It's a traumatic thing, and he that. He shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have done any of the things, but I would find it hard pressed to believe that anybody isn't traumatized from taking a human life. Mm -hmm. And I do still see him as a kid, but um, because I think he was 17 when he did that. And not only that, I'm sure he's been, uh, the things that we've said on social media about him, but I'm sure I, I it, it's traumatic. That said, and, and the people that he killed were white, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah. So um, I, I feel like his parents should have should be charged because they never should have brought him there. Every video I saw, he shot somebody after he was accosted. Now, does it make it right? None of it makes it right. But if you're just looking at the act, if somebody's coming toward me, then I have a right to defend myself if they if if I have, you know, and, and that's the, the thing I hate about guns, because if they're coming toward me and I'm going to defend myself, then I'm going to, and I have a gun, then that's what I use to defend myself. And so then the conversation ends because now everybody's dead and you can't live, as they say, to fight another day. Right. So I, I do believe that this case is going to be hard because he was accosted. 
but to me, they're not trying, or I haven't watched it. Are they trying the fact that he should not have been there? I don't think so. I don't think so. He's getting charged with lesser charges now, but yeah, go ahead. Thank you, Aaron. I'll go really quick. Um, on the old case with Homeboy, he's more crying about getting caught because they they righteously believe, and this is from the Unite the Right Cat. Um, right. They righteously believe that they have a right and should be doing what they're doing. They think they're dead in the right until they get caught and realize that it, it's wrong and can't yes. understand why their government that they're fighting to protect and their way of life and their country they're fighting to protect would dare do such a thing to him. So right. he's probably distraught, but also playing it up to now he's the soft guy. He was the toughest guy in the world on the day of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the other case that I won't call the Ahmad Arbery case because he's not on trial and I don't know the names of the white boys that are. Mm-hmm. Um, that is that's a situation where there really isn't a it's a, it's the same as George Zimmerman. There really isn't a way to have turned. We saw him, accosted him, chased him down and attacked him, and then we were defending ourselves and killed him. Mm-hmm. However, it worked for Zimmerman because it is kind of a it's always going to be the black the black people of the United States versus United States in almost every case in something where we're dead and can't even talk about it. Mm -hmm. So that that case, they will get some time. And just because they were so blatant and just because of the upbringing, Mr. Rittenhouse, and I have to agree with with um, I think it was Aaron that just spoke before. Mm -hmm. He did what police officers do almost every time that they shoot someone dead and we were in a dangerous situation and we felt that our, we righteously believed that our lives were in, in threat. Absolutely. But you created that situation. Yeah. You didn't just pull the person over. You reached in their car. You made them get out of the car. You did things to make it dangerous so that you could defend yourself to their death. Mm. His parents didn't drive him down there to do what he was doing. He was at the home of his older sister's boyfriend who lives there in Kenosha or just outside. Mm-hmm. he's often at that home and spends a lot of time with his older sister's boyfriend and partially because that boyfriend and the father are so are such big fans of his that they purchased the gun in their name for him to have and it was at their house mm-hmm. and it had been at their house before any of this broke out like he's that i want a rifle and these guys he's like my big brother and they did it so she didn't drive him there to do what she did that said one of the only charges because he was under duress each time that he shot Someone did throw something at him. He had no idea of knowing what it was and he was being chased. So he shot him. Sad but true, that is self-defense. Um, the next person tried to hit him with a skateboard. Sad but true, he shot him, that's self-defense. The third person literally pulled a gun on him and he shot him and didn't kill him. But that again is self-defense. Any expectation that we thought that he was going to get murder is was super flighty and light in the first place. The judge made very clear at the onset by not allowing the victims to be called victims. You're in a murder case. How are right. they not victims? Right. It's a murder case. Right. If it's a murder case, there's nothing there but victims and suspects. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or the accused at, at that point. Um, so, you know, from that point, he made clear that he was going to do everything that he could to get through this charge, this trial in two weeks. He said so. This should be wrapped up by so-and-so date. We'll have this trial over in two or three weeks. Yeah. Uh, murder trials last a lot longer than that, even just in L.A. on regular Black folks killing black folks. Those trials go longer usually unless you plead. Um, he was, I believe, distraught and crying in that seat from the force of taking someone's life, from all the forces on a 17-year-old or 18-year-old mind since that have been against him and for him, the pressure and the idea that you'll go to jail. I was the same age the first time I went in for an adult run. And I, I probably would have cried like that as well, you know? murder like i might never get out of this so he's crying about the lives he's crying about the pressure i believe that he was crying it doesn't absolve him of anything 
the white tears are not absolution any longer. But the judge also took off the table the lesser charge of and made it, gave him an exception for having the rifle in that instance because of the circumstance, although he mm -hmm. put himself in the circumstance. So there is no charge for the illegal owning of the gun. The judge wiped that clear and yep. said that because things were so dangerous there, he, he rightfully could have felt that he needed to arm himself. But why were you there? Why were you there? Right. Why, why were you there? So it's right. like with George Emerson, when that 15 year old boy started whooping you up, why were you there? Because you attacked and accosted him. You live a state away. You shot three people protecting property that didn't belong to you in a state where you don't live and you were nowhere near said property. You're offering medical aid, but you have no training other than as a lifeguard when you were a younger kid and nobody was drowning in Kenosha that night. Yeah. And what gets me is that, yeah, he, okay, he was getting attacked, but what was he doing? I mean, you can't see in the that's, video. That's like my that. point, Rome. That's my thing. Did those people chase him because they saw him shoot somebody? No, the, the first person chased him because they saw him with a rifle and only the right leaning people were walking around there like they were with, like that with um, rifles out. So they, they were chasing him because he was there agitating by showing up with a weapon in a show of force and he was dead wrong to do so. But the first person he shot was the person that did chase him down and throw a bag at him. Right. Apparently, but, how about this? but that's my point. Did they see him shoot somebody? Yeah, yeah they that's, the that's my thing. Started the, chasing him. the second and third person, to tell the truth, you can't flip it back and forth. They will to protect this little boy, but they were protecting the public safety. They had seen someone shoot someone. He was an active shooter. They weren't attacking right. an innocent 17-year-old boy. That's they my were point. attacking someone. Right. The judge won't ain't going to take it that way, and neither. Right, but I'm just America. saying that's my that's my point. One hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Jeff. No, I'm saying that's my that's my point on that. And then, and then, and for the other, I, I I pray that Minister Farrakhan show up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, he should. Ooh. Oh, he should. With, with the nation. Ooh. Because I, I I look it, and this is just me until I'm proven wrong. I always say this. And when white folks kill black people, they always find a way to get them off or give them less time. They, mm, they, right. never, they never believe, they don't believe that a black life is worth the same as a white life. And so anytime we go to trial, um, I just pray that somebody get con convicted of something. Because right. they, they, they always find a way, they run the system as the judges are running the system in their court. So it can be slanted a certain way by, mm -hmm. by giving the rules and, and what you can, can and cannot uh, vote on or how you can present your case um you know you can slant a court case very easy by those rules absolutely yep. absolutely Lori peacock final thoughts from you totally agree with these guys everything that they're saying it's um it's it's a shame and i was really disappointed when the judge in the written house case said you know they're not going to refer to them as as victims but but rioters and looters mm -hmm. it's like that that's a judge making a decision that's going to sway the, the whole course yep. of, of this, this case. And, and, and judges are just as racist as other people out there. And, and obviously, because if you look at our, our justice system and you look at our jails and who's, who's in them, right. It, it, it's, there's so much racism everywhere. And we think that mm -hmm. so just because someone's a judge, they're going to be just and fair. That is absolutely not the case. Right. Right. Well, I tell you, uh, lots going on in our nation and, um, there's always plenty to talk about. Uh, we're just about out of time, y'all, but uh, I can't thank y'all enough for helping me have these conversations because I tell you, all of them are um, consequential. 
because they have called out the National Guard for Wisconsin because they expect a verdict to come down pretty soon. Um, it's going to be no surprise. And I'm glad that everybody on this panel had a chance to chime in a little bit on it, because as much as I want to disagree with Aaron, um, I, I, I believe that um, the, the video shows that he was under duress. And at the same time, I'm kind of leaning where Jeff is, too. It's like. I don't think he was just knitting mittens for his kittens back home either. Uh, showing up to uh, out of state, uh, an affair like that, and um, I, I, I don't think he was. I don't think he was a shrinking violet. Yeah, real quick, Aaron, real quick. I was just going to say that both are true. We are both. Yeah. I think. I think that that kid was, you know, having an actual moment, thinking about all the pressure, thinking that he murdered somebody, but he should not have been there and should be accountable for that. Both are true. Both are true. Both are true, and. Uh, and that's why I was emphasizing that I, I, I don't like to see people in duress like that, you know, and even for him, you know, my heart did go out in that sense, because it's I can't even imagine the pressure. Like Jason said, you know, when you're thinking about the totality of what you're facing, yeah, it might suddenly become really, really real to you in a given moment. So I, I can respect what it takes to get through a moment like that. But ladies and gentlemen, this incomparable panel has been breaking it down for the last hour. We have the amazing Aaron Wiley Sands. We have the incomparable Jason Sugars. We have the amazing Lori Peacock and the inimitable good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller, Aaron, Jason, Lori, Jeff. I cannot thank you enough for being here. And Jeffrey Keller has a birthday celebration coming up real soon. Woo woo. Uh, Jeffrey woo -woo! Keller. Uh, you want to tell us where that's going to be and where we can come and support you, brother? It's going to be in Toluca Lake at, at Mrs. Robinson. Uh, show starts at 8. Got five comedians. I'm closing the show. What day? Uh, that'll be tomorrow Tomorrow night. Oh, snap. So that's Monday night, as in tonight. Uh, remember, tonight. Yeah, as we, you know, because we're thinking into the future here. But good brother, happy 21st birthday to you. And may you have about 40, 50 more. <laughs> and uh, seriously, man, uh, the fact that you're doing this on this uh, momentous occasion in your personal life makes me love you all the more. So, Jeffrey Keller, happy birthday once again to you, good brother. And uh, continued you, success man. to you, man. Have a good time at the event. Aaron, Lori, Jason, you're amazing as well. I can't thank you all enough for being here. And I'm going to be calling you all again. And thank you for letting me bother you all on this momentous occasion in our nation right now. But this is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That was Jason, Jeffrey, Aaron, and Lori. Stay tuned for more, y'all. We'll be right back after this. This is Hannibal Taboo, and you're listening to DJ Rome on Psychotic Bump School, the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. Okay, we are back. KCWG, the truth.com. This program's called Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, we have another entry into the longest running canon in the comic book on screen uh, legacy. Uh, the Eternals is a 2021 American superhero film delayed many times because of the coronavirus. Uh, it's finally made it to the big screen, the big screen that is. Uh, Maybe it will eventually, I'm sure it will, it'll screen to the, uh, the smaller box 
uh, the HBO Max, I think, is where the uh, the MCU Marvel Universe is. But nevertheless, the Eternals Disney is Plus. out in big theaters. Which one is it, Hannibal? Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Thank HBO you. HBO Max is the other one. Yes, yes. Tipping my hand already. Our guest has spoken. You guys, you know the voice. The inimitable good brother is back. Y'all know who this cat is. Come on, man. You heard the voice. This good brother is an award-winning comic book content creator. He's a rock star in the world of comic books. Yeah, man, I'm blowing you up like that. And he's always helping us out with uh, critiques such as this. So, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good brother, Mr. Hannibal Taboo. Mr. Taboo, are you there? Happy to be. Yes, sir. I'm happy to be here. Good. To <laughs> thank you for having me again. Oh, man, it's always a pleasure. Hey, man, I really need your help with this film. I did see it. All right. Mm -hmm. And so, and I went to the theater to see it. Um, that was an interesting experience in itself because I'm starting to see, Mr. Taboo, that people are starting to slowly creep back into the movie theaters. It wasn't packed, but I did see it on a weeknight. But nevertheless, 2021 has brought us uh, first Shang-Chi and now The Eternals. Um, we're in a, another stage of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, good brother. So you, I know, had a chance to see this film, good that brother. correct. It was kind of deep for me, man, so I'm very curious to hear your take. Mr. Hannibal Taboo, what are your thoughts on the 2021 American superhero film, The Eternals? Mr. Hannibal Taboo. I liked Eternals because I'm very used to the Marvel formula. And at one point I was like, oh, okay, I see where this is going. I know it's going to happen. And then like about 20 minutes later, I was like, oh, that's not what was going to happen at all. Okay. Mm. okay, what's this? And then I was like, okay, well, maybe it's going to do this. It's going to do this. And then 20 minutes later, it's like, nope, going to do something completely different. I'm like, oh, well, I didn't see you doing that. So for me, the fact that there were surprises left in the Marvel formula was enormously gratifying. For me. I like this movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Hmm. Um, I Are you surprised by that? The work that was done here. I'm not surprised by it because, I mean, there's not been, well, I'm sorry, let me correct you. I was about to say there's not been a Marvel movie I have liked, but there is Iron Man 3, which I openly hate. I openly hmm. hate Iron Man 3. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> but I mean, okay. you know, for most of the Marvel movies, I show up, I'm happy. It's fine. Exactly. Uh, so, and, and I really appreciated, I could tell the difference in uh, uh, Chloe Zhao's voice in presenting this. It was not, you know, this was not this a similar voice to, to what I'd heard before. This was a different voice in the same way that Ryan Coogler came with a different voice in directing. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated those distinctions. We saw you know, more of the emotional lives of uh, the characters than we ever have before. And we, we saw, yeah. you know, kind of a grander scope of time than we're used to seeing in the Marvel Universe. So that was, I was like, oh, okay, we're taking on some big stuff and, and just going at it. I appreciate that. Yeah. Where else would we know Chloe from? Uh, the director of this film, ladies and gentlemen, was Chloe Zhao. Uh, this is not her first rodeo in the Marvel Universe, is it? Or is it? In the Marvel Universe, I believe it is. It is she, the first one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but uh, she's an Academy Award winner. She's uh, that's she's right. The writer of Nomadland. Uh, yes. Know, so it's like you know, this she's she's not new to film. She's new to Marvel. Got it. Got it. Yeah. She's not even forty years old, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, where at the beginning of our story, Mister Taboo, do we find our characters? And first of all, I learned this from you, man, because, um. We got what, like seven, eight, nine, ten different characters to, to get to know? There are ten, yes. All in one film. And that that's risky. I mean, I I, I appreciate Angelina Jolie. I appreciate Salma Hayek, who we all know. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
Uh, talk to us about that formula of introducing so many new characters. Well, to people who haven't read the comics, like you, you know all these people, right? But for the little person <laughs> coming to see this film, it was a lot to take in. Uh, did that formula work this time? And what was your take on the presentation of these new characters? Well, what I thought, they went with something, one of my friends actually uh, made this note, that normally Marvel characters are based on personality and DC characters are based on archetype. So, you know, mm. you don't, you, you may think of, you know, Iron Man as the knight or, or Captain America as a hero, but mostly they are personality-based heroes. You get to know them as people. Whereas mm. here, the Eternals, in their creation, the Eternals were created because Jack Kirby was unable to finish the story he was telling with the new gods at DC Comics in the 70s or something. Oh, wow. uh, maybe earlier than that, I can't remember. Yeah. And in that, he said, all right, well, I'll just make new, new gods. And I'll just, you know, whatever. So the Eternals were always archetypical characters. They were not really based on the everyday foibles and relationships and, and personalities that we're, we're used to seeing in most Marvel characters and definitely in our own lives. Mm -hmm. So that was intentional. Uh, as such, they introduced them as archetypes. They're like, oh yeah, this is Gilgamesh. I don't need to go into who Gilgamesh is. Gilgamesh is a freaking big thing. You know? mm. This is Athena. She's based, basically Athena. I don't need to go into that, blah, blah, blah. You know, they, mm. they built them, Jack Kirby built them around archetypes. So that is a limitation that was placed essentially on these characters before Chloe Zhao even walked in the room. So that's, that's the first, the first job. Okay. Um, second, uh, my personal exposure to the Eternals came in fragments. I didn't get them all as Eternals. I saw Cersei as an Avenger, and I was like, hang on, who's this immortal flirty lady who's kind of rude, which is not at all what they did with the cinematic character, which is fine. Um, but I got a sense of Cersei's powers and Cersei's personality outside the Eternals, and then she was a gateway drug into that. That's the way the former Marvel uh, uh, cinematic formula worked. It did not do that this time because they have a specific thing to do. We have both the Celestials as a grand power to introduce beyond Thanos, beyond a lot of other things, and also the threat of Kang coming with, uh, as played by the Majors. Uh, so there's a lot of big cosmic level pieces to move around uh, to get established. So from a business standpoint, they're like, yeah, we need to get the Celestials going. So you need to hurry up with these people and just jam it in there. And that's the mm -hmm. job that Chloe Zhao was hired to do. So she went and did the job that she was asked to do. Um, I don't think this is a bad presentation of it. It is faster than you would expect from a Marvel universe. Right. But because these characters are immortal and because these characters can appear, as you note, with uh, 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 the Phaestos character appearing in Hiroshima and, and the other characters appearing in uh, uh, ancient Mexico, you know, these are characters is that you can see retcons of them anywhere. You'll, you'll see them pop up. And because of the nature of Marvel contracts, it's easy to bring them along. Um, mm. That's very useful from a business standpoint when you're in this kind of a, 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 a business need to establish your next phase. And the world is looking for you to fail because you've succeeded for so long. You know how haters yeah. are. They're, <laughs> they're desperate for you to fail. They really are. They really yes. are. So seeing it work, seeing it happen here, I, I understand that people had concerns with this film. People, people felt that uh, there was too much going on, on the screen. There was too many characters. And those were not problems with Chloe Zhao. Those are not problems with this movie. Those are problems with the Eternals. That's from the 60s. and I mean, that's from the 70s. That's not, these mm. are not new Eternals problems. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, if any mistake was made, it was made in the idea of saying, okay, we got to get the Eternals in here. 
Now, if that was not necessary, we, only time will tell because we have a thousand movies ahead of us to learn that. Oh my God. But <laughs> You're not kidding. Right. But in the near term, she told a very specific story. She gave it very specific stakes. She made it very personal to certain characters. Now, is it true that Sprite got a very, you know, abbreviated storyline here? Sure, but it's an abbreviated storyline that still packed a punch. Is it true that Fastos or Druy got, you know, short sheeted? Maybe a little, but honestly, a little Druy goes a long way, even in the comics. Like, I'm like, okay, this may be more Druy than I need today. Okay. So mm-hmm. I appreciate the task that Chloe Zhao was given, and I mm-hmm. believe she uh, exceeded uh, expectations with it. If anybody has a problem with this film, I don't believe it's in execution. I believe it's in conception. In conception. So since you landed on a couple of characters in the film, uh, can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, Druick, um, what was it about him that uh, caused you to single him out a little bit, uh, his role in the film? Uh, the overall plot of the story was about, it seemed like an evolution quest, right? Um, the the yes. quest to create. And, and I honestly did have trouble following along, but the, the characters in the story seem to serve a specific purpose. Can you talk to us a little bit about those two characters since you started with those? Druick and Sprite, how did they fit into this storyline? Okay, so in this archetypical sense, the Eternals made, I'm sorry, let me correct that, the Celestials, let me step back. The Celestials are basically space gods. They say, we're going to go and alter entire planets and whatever and whatever who's going to stop us we're i mean if you wanted to go out in your yard and change the destiny of every ant yard what are they going to do about it (laughs) so (laughs) um and they they made these specific things for specific purposes they're like all right i need a big weapon of mass destruction so that's icarus and i need Mm. uh i don't know a teleporter so that's sprite and I need, um, let's say I need somebody who will excel at fighting. That's Athena. Sure, whatever. Oh, but I need a smart one. So that's Faisto. And so again, as Jack Kirby created them, they were intended as archetypes. They were t- intended as um, more roles than people. And Chloe Zhao imbued personalities upon those roles as best as she could. Hmm. Um, in that, so uh, 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 Druig, his role is control. He's, he's, he's a mind controller and he's yes. manipulative and he's kind of a jerk and in the comics that plays the role of a catalyst in the same way that loki plays the role of a catalyst for the norse gods in the same way that mm-hmm. um uh, uh maximus in the uh, uh what do you call it the come on black bolt and the come on the ones on the moon oh shoot the inhumans sorry my brain wouldn't catch that for a second uh <laughs> you create a character who is forced to play along a role in this group but who is not necessarily of the same thing. All the way back to Lost in Space, you would see it with Dr. Smith. Uh, hmm. uh, all the way back to comedic uh, spirituality, you would see it with Set, the brother of Asar, and so on and so forth. This is an intentional thing in stories to serve as a catalyst that's not all the way to being an antagonist. It's not an actual enemy, because hmm. you still have to deal with them, but they're not necessarily always helpful. So um, with those sorts of roles happening, um, uh, Druig, I, re- I really, I walked in the movie thinking, Druig's the bad guy. Druig's gonna be the problem, I get. And he was like, like nope, that's not what I am at all. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because <laughs> okay. is so awful in the comics. I was like, all right, uh-huh. so you're not that awful. Wow, that's a, I'm pleasantly, I'm pleasantly surprised. Who knew that? Right, right. Uh, th- that was cool. Um, 
Sprite has a very interesting story. Um, and it was played here much like Anne Rice played the role of uh, the, the younger vampire in Interview with the Vampire, if you remember the Tom Cruise movie, that there was someone who gained immortality at a point where they were not able to age past that point. Wow. Pre-adolescent, pre-development, uh, and, and not getting many of the opportunities that many of us get as an adult because they'll never be seen as an adult. Mm -hmm. um, that's a kind of tragedy in and of itself. And Sprite had a great bit. He's like, why did they make me this way? Why yeah. did they do this to me? Yes. And the real reason, and this is kind of a Jack Kirby, uh, kind of a teleological point, is that gods can be jerks. <laughs> you know, they don't. The god must be crazy. Motivation. Right. Exactly that. They don't always have the best of motivations there. So, hmm. um, I mean, it's it's tough on some characters, and you see that you know the choice of Sprite made here in playing along with certain things that you know I'll go with you, Icarus, and what you know that um, yeah. there were there were intentional shifts in there, and those are you know Chloe, those are Chloe's ideas. Those are all ideas developed from the basis of what Jack did, but extrapolating and bringing them out to more logical, uh, 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 more logical conclusion. And I frankly enjoyed that interplay a lot. Wow, how about that? Okay, now remember in Captain Marvel, you helped me realize this, uh, and, I, and I knew before going to see Captain Marvel that they had switched the gender of Marvel because the comic was, Marvel was a guy, right? So in yes. this one, you know, not knowing much about this film going into it, the Ajax character was not a woman in the comic books, right? Correct. Okay, how well do you well, think? Well, was not until recently, yes. Until recently. I'm sorry? Yeah, until recently. Yes. So, how recently? How when did that change happen? This year. Really? Hmm? Coincide. So, okay. All right. So that that was okay. You you help us with the business aspects of this. Uh, what correlation exists because Chloe Zhao was about to release this, and she's the first preeminent female director that Marvel has had. Um, any correlation whatsoever? Uh, I'm not in the boardroom, so I can't say specifically. <laughs> uh, I'm not in the, the session, so I can't. It would say make sense. But um, the nature of the Eternals and the nature of what they do with the characters is that um, there is room for alteration if you feel there's alteration. So for example, the Eternals, once upon a time, um, all they did was focus on, on deviants. But the deviants, truthfully here, were kind of a red herring. They were kind of like, spoiler, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, a distraction from what was actually happening. Yes. And um, that's an intentional choice that was made to, to alter the, the, the thing. A lot of people, comics people in particular, I'm really surprised, nobody said anything when Icarus came out and wasn't blonde. In the comics, oh. Icarus is this gigantic tank of a man with this main this kind of blonde mullet thing going on i mean like he's just mm. like big iconic you know sort of european style guy and they're like nope we're gonna get the guy from game of thrones put that guy in let's right. do <laughs> yes and nobody said anything sure all did. the people who were complaining about uh, jonathan kent had nothing to say about Facebook, which again was that bad faith argument i was mentioning before so mm. Changes happen in comic characters because business happens in comic characters. You know, yes. uh, Batman. Batman doesn't use guns in comics now. Batman's literal first episode, he, sh I mean, issue, he shot somebody in, in the thirties. So, mm. uh, I mean, that? you know, things change, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I yeah. can't say why because I'm not behind those closed doors. 
Got it. All right. Well, um, man, there's so many to get to. We, we're not going to get to all of them, but I, I do want to. The, the big draw was supposed to be. Uh, well, I don't know if it was supposed to be, but it certainly was a feature for uh, a variety of stars who we may not have seen front and center like this before. Uh, I saw Gemma Chan and um, oh, my God. Crazy, crazy rich Asians, right? Yes, sir. That's where she was. Okay. But I just saw that she was in another, uh, she was in Captain Marvel, as a matter of fact. She played, she played a small role in that. But uh, Angelina Jolie's part, um, before we go to Fastos, because I definitely want to talk to you about them, because there's some controversy from small pockets of the internet about, uh, you know, Fastos and, you know, perhaps the diversity of the film. Um, how well do you think they presented uh, Athena? or Athena, as they call her in this film. Um, she kind of had um, echoes of uh, Amazon Island, I guess, mm -hmm. Wonder Woman. I don't know if that was a direct grab from it, that. It was, not, it was not a direct thing. It was it, because all of these things have mythic roots, because all, all these things have these kind of, as I said, uh, 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 paradigm-based roots. You know, mm -hmm. when you make a, a, a golden warrior woman of some sort, you're, you're eventually going to get to the same basic idea. It's going to look like Athena. It's going to look yeah. like Wonder Woman. It's going to look, it's going to, that's what it looks like, you know, in the that's same true. way that if you have a guy flying in the air, shooting stuff out of his eyes, oh, that's Superman. Even he had to, he's like, I don't wear a cape. He had to correct it in the movie because people mm -hmm. superimposed the idea of a cape yeah. there based on their understanding of what that is. And that's yeah. very, you know, it's super common in, in the way memory works. People, people believe that uh, Sinbad was in a movie called uh, Kazam in the 80s that does not exist. <laughs> it simply does not exist. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, it's, Man. No one understands why. I but <laughs> but it, it stands so, for reason, though, because so many songs of today, Mr. Taboo, I mean, they're basically just the same four chords. So if they're yeah. drawing upon the same sources in music, it stands to reason that in film, if you're drawing upon mythology, you know, there's going to be some overlap every once in a while, right? That's a brilliant, that's a brilliant comparison and exactly that. And that's one of the reasons why when you keep going back to the same mythological wells, when you don't say, oh, let's go to the Vedic tradition or, oh, let's see what these Celtic, Celtic gods have got going mm. on. Oh, ooh, ooh, what the aboriginals of Australia, then you're going to keep getting the same looking things. Uh, yes. Is that a bad thing or is mm. that marketing? It's hard to say unless you're really counting the money. Right, right. Okay. Well, uh, like I said, we, we don't have a lot of time, but man, the, all these characters are fascinating. So honorable mention to Kingo, honorable mention to Gilgamesh, uh, but Fastos and uh, Makari in particular. Um, let's go to Makari first. I don't think, Mr. Taboo, we've had a hero on screen that uh, did not use uh, her voice in, in a way. Uh, she used sign yeah. language. Uh, what can you tell us about the, uh, the impact of Makari in the film, and then let's uh, proceed over to Fastos. Well, I talk a lot about the importance of representation. I talk a lot about the importance yes. of the idea that, you know, uh, when people see something, it becomes possible to them. Yes. There's been a lot of communities that have been excluded from being able to play in the sandbox for a long time, including Absolutely. especially people with uh, 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 different abilities. Uh, so seeing Makari, First, as a person of different ability, and second, as a woman of color, which a lot of people don't even pay attention to, exactly. uh, is right. making a lot of people feel seen in a way that they wouldn't. So, you know, uh, uh, next Halloween, you'll see costumes that are like, oh, what are you dressed as? You know, and they'll, instead of saying something, they'll sign because that's what they do. 
because huh. they'll be seen as I'm Macari. I can be this. Yeah. And that's one from a business standpoint, brilliant because you can merchandise that sort of stuff forever. So that's True. awesome. But from True. a cultural standpoint, it gives a wider spectrum of voices a chance to be heard, a wider True. spectrum of people an opportunity to play along. And mm. everybody deserves to have a hero. That's totally yeah. fair. So yeah. seeing that is a good thing in that regard. Specifics to the movie, though, I think some of the things that they did with the speedster effect that, they, that Macari did were innovative in that we've watched seasons of The Flash. We've seen uh, 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 the cinematic version of The Flash as well. We've seen two different versions of Quicksilver. They still found some mildly different things to do with speed effects. So I was, I was very happy to see that. I, I enjoyed that there. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, overall, the Macari character and the fact that nobody acted like it was out of the ordinary. Yes. Nobody acted like, you know, oh, saying sign language, oh, we have to do this. because no, There was no stopping for explanation. You just roll with it because it's just normal. Normalizing that sort of experience means that if a kid goes to, after seeing the Eternals goes to school and one of the kids in their school speaks sign language, they're like, oh, okay, I guess that's normal. And you right. just roll with it. And that sort of acceptance and that sort of normalization is enormously helpful for people who are marginalized. Mm. Nice. I, I can dig it. Okay, Fastos. Fastos. Oh my God. Fastos is my all time favorite and I love him in every possible way. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. Fastos, Fastos, like I did not laugh at any point harder than the stuff that I, like when he said that part about the Ikea table, I was I almost fell out. Oh, <laughs> man. man, break it down, man. Cause I, I honestly, I may I have, have fallen. Wait, what did he say? What, what was the point? You can spoil. Well, so, um, um, Fastos implied that he had given up using his massive intellect in any way uh, since Hiroshima because of the guilt that he felt in helping humanity exterminate itself. And Icarus called him on his BS. He was like, really? You're not doing anything? And he heat visioned the window and the window is of course protected against all damage. He's like, I bet even this table is, and he smashes through the table. Mm -hmm. And Fastos very quietly says, it's summer collection. <laughs> and I was <laughs> nice. I have fallen through a table from IKEA. I've actually broken a table. Oh wow! And it was not pleasant. They're not as sturdy as you think they're. Um, but Man, that that kind of reminds <laughs> me of a uh, Fife Dog in a Tribe Called Quest talking about Siemens furniture in um, a war tour. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so so for me, what what I saw in the acting that he was doing because i knew he had a family i knew he had a child i knew he was thinking he's gonna wake up in the morning and i'm gonna have to deal with this and this is not what i want today because i've got other things going on. Right. i know that kind of parental frustration like oh I can't yes. my friends are bringing this idiocy to me you know yeah. so all of that came through in the acting that uh that he put forth <laughs> it was i mean i I felt that, you know, like when you like wow. somebody said, it's like, wow, that's my freaking life. I felt that one. So, yes. so um, there was also a moment when they're fighting and I'm, this is a spoiler, sorry. They're okay. fighting and they have uh, um, uh, with Fastos is forced to do, who the brainy character is forced to deal with Icarus, who's possibly the greatest power. And he's like, I've been waiting for this. You can, mm. and he whips out something that actually stops Icarus in a way that everybody was terrified of Icarus. He just marches right in and does it because he's been thinking about it all the time. His mm. brain is a problem solver. He had obviously been thinking, how am I gonna take this guy down if I have to? Right. And he was ready and he had it on deck. 
Yes. Did it work forever? Of course not. Even he knew it wouldn't work forever. But right. the fact, the, the acting, the subtlety that he was able to put, both, uh, well, he, Angelina Jolie, and uh, Salma Hayek, I believe, brought a great deal of subtlety to the roles. And I believe mm -hmm. that's why they cast actors of that caliber. If you cast somebody who was a lesser name as Thena, you wouldn't have gotten the same impact of somebody afraid of losing everything that they had gained. You wouldn't see the subtlety there. And so I appreciated that those casting choices, and I especially appreciate Fastos over everything because A, he's a black guy and he lived through it. B, <laughs> he's the smartest mm -hmm. guy. Well, and see, we've got so many more opportunities for him to play roles in movies that are, will be super entertaining, and I'm looking forward to that. He's really growing, man. I mean, I still almost recently in Godzilla vs. Kong, which, you know, mm -hmm. I just oh, watched yeah. for. He was I a watched, surprise in that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I watched it for the, the monster fights, but yeah, he was in that. I mean, he was in Atlanta. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about Brian Tyree Henry. I guess I'll go ahead and give him yes, uh, a name. He's a primetime Emmy Award nominated and... Let's see. He received. No, he won that. He won an Emmy Award and he won an award for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. So this guy has got some um, he's got some credentials, man. And uh, it's showing in I think he went to Yale, if memory serves right. He went to let's look it on up. Morehouse. He, did, he attended Morehouse. Uh, I did see something. Yes, he received a master's degree from Yale School of Drama. That is absolutely right. Hannibal Taboo scores again, y'all. Brian Tyree Henry. Now, of course, um, the, the big, you know, grab for the screen for this one is it was Hannibal's, uh, excuse me, uh, not Hannibal's, oh my God. It was Marvel's first love scene uh, in mm -hmm. in the universe between Akaris and, um, oh my God, Jim Chan's character. Yeah, thank you, Cersei. And the first same sex kiss, I believe, on screen uh, yes. between uh, mm -hmm. Brian's character uh, and his uh, partner. And so, there has I don't know what controversy exists around that if it does, but again, in, you know, in your uh, amazing eloquence speaking about the importance of representation, um, it, it came and went on the screen, and it serves a purpose to normalize certain things for certain communities. And you nailed it, man. I mean, everybody needs to see their hero, right? Everybody deserves to have their own hero uh, represented on the big screen, right? Okay, we can't be mad, and that, and you can start and stop right there. You can really start and stop right there. So all the the critics who have their own reasons for having an issue with this film, my only issue with the film, Hannibal, is that it was too deep for me. I mean, and honestly, it had so many layers, and maybe it has to do with just being so uh, male indoctrinized. I made up that word on you know in terms of what a superhero film should look like because each time a female director has taken the helm and they give their uh version of it through their creative lens it always is an adaptation for me in a different kind of way in ways in which truly maybe the first time i just don't get it and it doesn't make it you know a bad film like i, I try to you know be as judicious with my critique of music which i'm far more adept at than film mr taboo i tried to never say something's whack even though it may clearly be, but it may be that I just don't get it. Okay, so there, there are certain aspects of this film that I just didn't get. You're helping me to better understand it with this conversation, but in many ways, I think a film of this depth uh, went over a lot of people's heads. Is it fair to say that, that the, the, the layers and the nuance and the, uh, the potential, you know, like you said, the potential to just 
you know, and people are waiting for them to fall. Like you said, you know, it was very risky to bring all these characters in in one movie, but you know, they're eternal. So they can show up anytime they want to, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just, well, here's, here's, here's what I always say when I think, when people ask me, did something go over their heads? I know that uh, for the last 20 or 30 years that uh, a number of lobbyists have worked to defund education throughout most of the country. That the Koch brothers have spent millions of dollars electing people uh, to essentially attack education, to yep. have less funds for stuff. So when you spent 30 some odd years making Americans literally dumber, <laughs> mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. collective intelligence is, is, is a lesser thing. Does this movie challenge people intellectually at a certain level? Absolutely. Yes. Is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. Nope. The best films do. Mm -hmm. You know, the films that really matter, the films that really make a difference, the films that really make an impact challenge people. If you want to go, it's always fun when people say, let's pull up the reviews of The Empire Strikes Back when it came out. Mm. Let's pull up the reviews of Star, Star Trek Wrath of Khan when it came out. They're brutal. They're okay. unforgiving. And mm. they're wrong. Or for example, I remember when the first, the, somebody reviewed, uh, there's a great review of the first Beyonce album. And the headline says, she's no Ashanti. Oh, <laughs> good one, Hannibal Taboo. Good one. Now, exactly. So we, from where we are, these people look like morons. Right. They are. They are completely <laughs> abjectly wrong. Wow. So if Beyonce could only be more like Ashanti, Hannibal Taboo. <laughs> Let me just think about that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe uh, Beyonce is checking her account balance the way Ashanti might have. Absolutely. I'm just gonna say it. Just saying. So, wow. Wow. You know, with all due respect, uh, this movie, I believe, takes an important step in a lot of ways. This movie is a landmark in terms of the, but in the same way that Black Panther was, in the same way that Shang-Chi was, in putting money into representing communities yes. that were not seen in a big way. Um, this is a, a, a specific decision that will resonate a lot. People didn't expect to make any money off of Rocky Horror Picture Show. And Rocky Horror Picture Show is still showing in theaters every freaking where. Wow. How about you know, that? These are not accidents. And Marvel's smarter than a lot of us. <laughs> They're way smarter than yeah. most of us, especially Kevin Feige. And yeah, yeah, I don't believe that these... Was it a risk? Absolutely. Was it unplanned? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, no, no. no. Not even one. Very true. Very true. Well, uh, um, Thank you, man. Uh, one last shout out for me to Selma Hayek. Um, even at her ripe young age, uh, with no makeup, um, she still looks amazing. And um, she brought a level of maternalness uh, into this film in a way that really um, captured her timelessness, her yeah. eternalness. Shouts out to Selma Hayek. Uh, Hannibal Taboo, uh, the award-winning comic in his own right, representing Operative.net. Ladies and gentlemen, he does it again. Good brother, thank you so much for breaking down the Eternals 2021 yes, film. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you, good brother, and to follow your amazing work? Well, you can find me on social media using at sign Hannibal Taboo, H-A-N-N-I, B as in Bounce, A-L, T as in Tough, A, B as in Bounce, U. That's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, Beams of radiation from the sun, the hieroglyphics on the underside of Phaistos' boot, and everywhere that you'd like to be. 
<laughs> yes. Oh, man. By hook or by crook, you are able to find Mr. Hannibal Taboo. Man, it is always such a pleasure, man. Thank you for joining us. Uh, join us again sometime, will you please? Thank you so much. Hopefully everybody will go to comic book stores on November 24th and pick up Project Wildfire. Well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and you know we're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time, as well as Friday evenings from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. Also want to thank our very special guests for the evening, Lori Peacock, Jason Sugars, Jeffrey Keller, Aaron Wiley Sands, and of course, the good brother, Mr. Hannibal Taboo. Also want to send a very, very special shout out to Mr. Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care.